Despite what tech bloggers might suggest, Samsung's success has little to do with better features or even better products. These things do sway technology enthusiasts, but they have little impact when it comes to the overwhelming majority of customers out there, the people that ultimately are responsible for most smartphone sales. Hey, it's Rick Kettner here. Let's talk about Samsung and their dominant position among Android smartphones in North America. Year after year, quarter after quarter, they continue to outsell their closest rivals. In some cases, literally shipping three times as many phones as the next closest competition. If we go back in time, not too far, back to 2012, there was a point in time where between Apple and Samsung together, they combined for over 100% of smartphone profits. And the only reason this is even possible is because other smartphone manufacturers were quite literally losing money. Now, of course, Times have continued to change, things have evolved. There are Android manufacturers today that have established some momentum, but Samsung remains the dominant leader in North America. So, as is always the case, what we're most interested in here is the business perspective. How was Samsung able to establish such a dominant position? And why have some of their rivals, including Google with their own hardware efforts, really failed to create meaningful momentum. And most important of all, what can we learn by studying Samsung's strategy? Now, what many tech enthusiasts or even tech bloggers might suggest is that Samsung's success comes down to the fact that they make great screens, great cameras, great phones in general, and that this is why they've become such a dominant force in the industry. And while it's certainly true, they do make a great product, and generation to generation, they do turn out something solid, this is not why they become such a dominant force in the industry. The real reason can be found in a book that was first published back in 1993, The 22 Immutable Laws of Marketing by Al Reese and Jack Trout. So in this episode, what we're going to do is we're going to focus on three key insights from that book that explain why brands like Apple and Samsung have dominated the smartphone industry. And more specifically, we're gonna focus on the bold move that Samsung made to put them ahead of the rest of the Android pack. Now, before we get there, let's set the stage, starting with insight number one. Marketing is about perceptions, not products. The closer people are to a specific product category, or the more they consider themselves enthusiasts of the product category, the more difficult it is to really appreciate this. But at the end of the day, for the overwhelming majority of customers out there, marketing is first and foremost about perceptions rather than products. So where technology enthusiasts or even smartphone enthusiasts absolutely have their purchasing decisions swayed by specific features or specific differences between one product and the next, the overwhelming majority of people out there that are buying smartphones are not tech enthusiasts. They're not smartphone enthusiasts. And their purchasing decisions are primarily driven by brand perceptions and how they see brands and how they perceive the specific offer or products that they might be offering. So to really drive this point home, because I know there are almost certainly a number of people listening right now that do consider themselves technology enthusiasts, I think it'd be 
helpful to drive this point home by using examples of products that you may not be as passionate about or as enthusiastic about. So for example, ketchup. Most people buy ketchup, they use ketchup, they might consume a fair amount over their lifetime, but most are not ketchup aficionados. They're not thrilled about ketchup, they're not excited about it, they're not doing research about which ketchup to buy, which ketchup not to buy. Most people out there buy Heinz, the leading brand in the category. They buy Heinz not because it's better, not because it's healthier, not because it's cheaper, not because it's easier to get necessarily, but because Heinz is the category leader. They're the default product. And the perception, generally speaking, is that if you want a good ketchup, you buy Heinz. There, of course, are alternatives out there. There are many different brands, but the overwhelming majority of people buy Heinz ketchup. It's the perception of this product being the default option and a great option to buy. The same is true of soft drinks. Most people out there, while they almost certainly consume soft drinks, don't consider themselves necessarily soft drink enthusiasts, but most people end up buying Coke. And again, nothing to do with the fact that Coke is necessarily the best soft drink, not necessarily the best tasting, not necessarily the most thirst quenching, nothing like that. It's that the perception out there is that if you're gonna buy soft drinks, you should buy Coke. And maybe you're gonna pick up a few others just for variety's sake, but Coke is the safe option. It's the easy choice, and the perception is if you want to buy soft drinks, you buy Coke. One last example would be painkillers. If you need a painkiller, the default option for most people out there is Tylenol. Again, plenty of options. Tylenol isn't necessarily the best, but most people simply choose Tylenol because it is the brand leader. It's the default option. Now, what all three of these examples happen to have in common is that all three of these brands happen to be first to really establish themselves within their category. This is something that we'll come back to in a minute, but I wanna quickly pivot back to technology and really drive home this point that when people are buying products and services and they might come back and buy them on a regular and consistent basis, but that they're not necessarily enthusiasts of the product category, this is how they think about making purchases. Most people default to the leading brand, or they make decisions based on heuristics like brand perceptions. This is really, really important. So it's far less about who makes the best phone and much more about who do they think makes the best phone or who do they feel makes the best phone. Or in some cases, depending on the marketing strategy, it might come down to who do they want to be the one that makes the best phone? Who do they hope is the one that makes the best phone? Sometimes customers can fall so in love with a brand that they just assume or at least wish or hope that that product is the best. And almost regardless, they end up buying it. So with this in mind, you might be wondering, well, how does a brand become this brand leader? How do they get this special status where they become the default choice? That takes us to insight number two, the first brand often becomes the leader. As I hinted at earlier, generally speaking, the first brand to truly establish themselves within a product category, they become the leading brand in the category. And the reason for this is that as human beings, 
We're constantly making associations between all kinds of things. We look for the relationships between all kinds of physical objects or ideas or whatever it might be. And in the case of shopping, we make associations between specific product categories and specific brands. And once we make this connection, we rarely break it. We rarely change it. So once we make a connection between this new category and the brand that introduced us to the category, we have this semi-permanent association between the category and that brand. And most people do not like to change this association. There are exceptions. There are people out there that consider themselves early adopters and they like to dabble and try new things. But most people once they find a solution and they make that association, they tend to stick with that solution. And this brings up an interesting quote from the 22 Immutable Laws of Marketing. And they say, it's better to be first than it is to be better. It's better to be the brand that first creates this connection than it is to come along after the fact and to try to demonstrate to a customer that you have a better or superior product than the brand that did get there first. So it's actually better to be the first brand to make this connection and it's incredibly difficult to come along later and to try to convince that customer that what you offer is superior. Most people, as the examples I provided earlier, will default to the brand that they first associated with that category. So Apple owns the modern smartphone category because they introduced the current modern smartphone category. Before them, it was BlackBerry with their hardware keyboard. They dominated the landscape at that point in time because they introduced that approach to the modern internet-connected device. But Apple completely reintroduced and changed the category. They redefined the space with their approach. And so they have become the default option in the modern era. Now, fortunately for Samsung, the game doesn't just end here. Just because somebody is the dominant leader in a category doesn't mean there's no room left to play for anybody else. There are options. And that takes us to insight number three. Non-leading brands have three options. When you're up against a very strong brand like Apple, for example, you have three different things that you can do to be successful. The first option is to create a new category. The second option is to compete in a different market. And the third option is to be the alternative brand. So the first option is to simply create an entirely new category. Rather than compete against the established brand, based on their strengths and in their game, you wanna create an entirely new category. And this is exactly what BlackBerry did, as I just mentioned, and this is exactly what Apple did. They changed the game. They didn't compete against BlackBerry by trying to create a better hardware keyboard. They created an entirely different approach, a new category of device, and that allowed them to be the brand that got associated with that category. So this is a very strong option. And there are two different ways that this can play out. The first option is that you just simply create a niche subcategory. So for example, if you're competing against McDonald's for the fast food category, you might decide to just focus on a niche like healthy fast food or Mexican fast food, and you would just carve out a nice sub-niche. And even though you might never overtake McDonald's themselves, you would be able to be the leader in that smaller category. The other option is to do exactly what Apple did, and to create a new category that has the very real potential for eventually overtaking the previous category. So you associate your brand with this brand new category. That category is more appealing to customers over the long term, and they 
eventually that category overtakes the other category and becomes the most popular, and thus you beat BlackBerry at their game by not necessarily playing their game. You create this new game where you're the leader. So that's the first option. The second option is to compete in a different market. This is really important because again, as I mentioned earlier, what's really important about being first isn't just being the first one ever to create a solution, it's being first in the minds of your target audience. The first to create this association where a specific audience thinks of you as the leader in a specific category. So it's all about the audience. It's not about who did it first, it's who got there first, who got into the minds of customers first. So this second option is all about targeting a different audience, finding a market or a gap where the leading brand is not currently owning the category, so to speak. They haven't currently made that association that association in the minds of those customers. So for example, when Apple first really introduced the iPhone, they primarily focused at the extreme high end of the North American market. That was their focus. And they really weren't as focused when it comes to other areas all around the world, including Europe and, and countries around the world. And so many Android manufacturers have found success by simply focusing on markets where Apple hasn't made this association. They've served other markets. And in your own business, whatever you might be producing, there are all kinds of ways that you can do this. You can focus on underserved age groups, underserved genders, underserved price points. You can simply find a different price point that is not currently associated with that brand. But the key idea here is you simply find a market that doesn't currently associate that brand with that category. So one last example might be if you wanted to compete with a very popular pizza chain, well, you could go simply to a different state or a different country or a different province where that chain is not currently the dominant brand. Maybe they don't even have a presence there. So that's option number two. The third option is to be the alternative brand. What's really interesting here is there are two kinds of customers in almost any category. There are those that want to buy from the leader, and there are those that do not want to buy from the leader. So generally speaking, there's room for a second brand to be successful in almost any category. And really important, it's not about just simply being in the category as another option in the mix. It's about targeting this group of people that are not satisfied with the leading brand. You want to go out of your way to appeal to the kind of people that do not want whatever the leader is offering. Very, very important. It's not just about being another option. What most people do, the very common mistake that a lot of businesses make is they try to, as I mentioned earlier, create a better version of what the leader is offering. This is a losing strategy because you can't beat the leader at their own game. But if you focus on the people that do not want what the leader is offering, then you can carve out a market focusing on people that do not want what the leader is offering. So very important, be different, be the alternative, do what that business won't do, offer to customers what that business won't offer to customers. So with all of this in mind, let's talk about the bold move that Samsung made. 
Samsung positioned themselves as the clear alternative to the iPhone. They took the third option on the list and they really focused on making sure that customers knew if they didn't want an iPhone for any reason at all, then Samsung was the clear alternative. And they did this in a couple of ways. The first way isn't quite as important, but what they did is right from the beginning, they focused on doing things that Apple was unwilling to do. So in the early days, they offered removable batteries, even though the iPhone never offered this option. They also offered things like larger screens much, much earlier than Apple did. In fact, you could argue that they forced Apple to adopt larger screens. And more recently, they continued to maintain the headphone jack for an extra generation or two when Apple removed it from their products. And I'm convinced this has nothing to do with Samsung being blind to the fact that wireless audio is almost certainly the future, but it had everything to do with the fact that Apple removed it Customers were upset, and so Samsung focused on being the alternative, the brand that would continue to offer customers what Apple was unwilling to offer. But much more important than this is the way that Samsung positioned themselves with their advertising campaigns. They ran a number of campaigns that openly mocked and ridiculed not only Apple, but Apple customers. And this in many ways is almost exactly what Apple did back in the 90s with their I'm a Mac, I'm a PC ad that ridiculed Microsoft. So Samsung took this exact same strategy. They mocked Apple and they mocked Apple customers. This wasn't an effort to win Apple customers over. This was all about making it clear that if you're against Apple, we're the brand for you. It was about uniting anti-Apple sentiment and basically saying, if you feel like we do, that it's silly for people to wait in line for Apple products, or if you think that Apple customers are sheep or that they're just you know, buying the standard product, well, Samsung is the brand for you. And this strategy plays into the natural tribalism that we all have. This happens in politics. There might be one party that you might be against. And even though the other party isn't necessarily perfect for you, people will generally flock to that party as a way to demonstrate their distrust or dislike for the other party. This is how our brains work. This is how our emotions work. And so Samsung followed the exact same strategy that Apple used against Microsoft in the 90s. Apple was under no illusion that they were going to beat Microsoft. And likewise, I don't think Samsung is under any illusion that they're going to overtake Apple, but they understand the value of uniting people that are against the leading brand, that don't like the leading brand. And so Samsung successfully positioned themselves as the clear alternative. They didn't focus on being a better iPhone. They focused on being different. So Despite what tech bloggers might suggest, Samsung's success has little to do with better features or even better products. These things do sway technology enthusiasts, but they have little impact when it comes to the overwhelming majority of customers out there, the people that ultimately are responsible for most smartphone sales. For these people, the number one priority is brand perceptions. And Samsung has positioned themselves as the clear alternative to Apple's iPhone. They're the Pepsi to Apple's Coke. Or to use a more dated example, they're the Burger King to Apple's McDonald's. At the end of the day, the core lesson here is that if you're facing a dominant market leader, your best option is not to try to create a better version of whatever it is that they're offering. You wanna focus on being different. You can create a new category, 
you can target a different market, or as Samsung has done with Apple, you can be the alternative brand. That's it for this episode. If you have any questions or comments about anything we covered here, let me know down in the comment section below. I might be following this up with a Q&A session where we can go into more detail based on the comments or questions that might come in. If you're listening to the audio edition, I'll include a link in the show notes so you can make your way to the video edition and participate in the comment section there. If you're interested in more content like this in the future, I recommend that you subscribe or follow my updates on social media so you don't miss out on future episodes. Thank you for tuning in and I look forward to connecting with you either in the comment section or in a future episode.